0: and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Asian. Today, I'm joined by Stephanie Liu, founder of Stephanie Liu Bakes. Stephanie is currently studying pastry and baking arts at the Institute of Culinary Education. Her creations have been featured in Food 52, and most recently, she's collaborated with the team at With Warm Welcome to create a baker's box to benefit Apex for Youth, a nonprofit which delivers possibilities to underserved Asian and immigrant youth from low-income families. Stephanie, welcome to the pod. Thanks so much for having me, Diana. Excited to be here. Stephanie, you and I got connected because you started listening to the podcast, but it turns out we also have a mutual friend in common, which is Josiah, who was recently on the podcast. I'm curious to know how you found the podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's such a small world, um, the connection with Josiah and Julia. You know, I was trying to think back to how I found the podcast, and I think it was through Instagram, just the algorithm. But i'm an avid podcast listener and so mm-hmm. when i saw your podcast pop up i could tell it was in its early stages just a few episodes and so i listened to a few of them and i could really relate to a lot of the topics that you were talking about and really like the people that you had interviewed and so I just reached out um, on Instagram, DM'd you, and just told you I really liked what you were doing. And so I think that's how I got connected with you and what you were doing here.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you DM'd me because um, doing this podcast has been really fun, and I get to talk to a lot of interesting people. And you said that, you know, you had a very similar upbringing in the sense that you're from Queens, you grew up in Flushing, I'm sure has inspired a lot of the work that you do. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So as you were saying, I was born and raised in Queens, in Flushing, and grew up there my whole life till I went to college. Um, And I'm Korean and Chinese. So my mom's side is Korean. My dad's side is Chinese. Um, But I'm also third gen. So my parents Mm -hmm. uh, were born here. And I feel like that sort of mixed identity um, does inform a lot of who I am today. A little bit about what I'm doing now. So I actually do have a day job. Um, I work in a private foundation and on the side I have my business and then in the evening I go to school at the Institute of Culinary Education and so I'm about halfway through my program studying pastry and baking and I love it so far yeah just been learning a lot Uh, i love my classmates and just the experience of being in school and learning from really amazing chefs so i'm at sort of a pivotal point in my career and changing jobs which is really exciting wow okay there's so much to unpack there first of all that's so
0: interesting to me because you're literally my niece like (laughs) (laughs) my niece is half chinese half korean and her parents which are my you know my mm-hmm. sister and my brother-in-law were born here so now i can imagine what olivia's going to be like growing up she's going to she's going to go to upenn <laughs> <laughs> and, and do two things at
1: once <laughs> that's amazing so do you speak both languages unfortunately i don't i did study korean for a little bit in college i wanted to be able to talk to my grandparents and just be able to connect with them a little more and so Yeah, I studied Korean for a little bit in college because I wanted to be able to connect with my grandparents on my mom's side of the family. And so I used to write them letters back then. But nowadays, we pretty much grew up speaking English at home. My dad, actually, who's Chinese, he's the youngest of five. And so he doesn't really speak any Chinese at all. And then my mom is conversant in Korean. But yeah, pretty much only English. Just like Olivia,
0: <laughs> my, my brother-in-law speaks like no Cantonese, like yeah. he's Chinese, but he barely speaks any because his father came to America when he was in high school. So he and oh, I, wow. his father and I actually went to the same high school here wow. in Brooklyn. We went to yeah. Brooklyn Tech. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, wow. I can't yeah. wait. Olivia's <laughs> probably only going to speak English. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. My it's, actually it's,
1: yeah. it's it's funny. My dad actually was also born and raised in Queens and mm. he grew up in Jackson Heights, which is where he got his name, which is Jackson. So, oh, yeah. a funny story.
0: <laughs> and, you know, you said you're at a pivotal point right now where you're doing your day job, you're studying, and then you're like doing the pivot. Can you talk a little bit more about your day job and what made you feel ready to make that change?
1: Sure. So actually, it's interesting the day we're recording this because I actually have been trailing at a few restaurants over the last few weeks. And a trail um, for those who aren't in the industry is basically when you interview for a restaurant. And so you go in and typically work a full shift and the team there, the pastry chef gets to see how you work and you get to see how the team works. And then at the end of the trail or the stage, you sit down with them and um, you know, they sort of tell you how you did. And so mm-hmm. actually, I, I received job offers from 11 Madison Park and Gramercy <gasps> Tavern. Um, Congratulations. Both which are... Thank oh you. Know, so exciting. Yeah, and a few other places as well. So um, it's been really amazing experience. Those are two of my favorite restaurants in the city. They're both Michelin star restaurants. And actually, every place that I've trailed at that has pastry positions open, they've all offered me jobs. So it's been just really humbling and amazing to you. just
0: walk in and you're like, you know, you, you're, you're going to give it to me.
1: <laughs> no, You know, I have to say I I have to say I've been so grateful for so many people who are ahead of me in the industry and just have had such amazing careers in pastry or even on the savory side and have just been so willing to Lend their advice and their expertise and give me suggestions and tips on how to, you know, succeed at these trails, I guess. And I also think it's a really exciting time to be entering the hospitality industry just because at least I feel like the city's opening up, indoor dining is coming back, and it's been a really hard year for restaurants with COVID. And so a lot of restaurants and restaurant groups right now are rethinking how they're building their teams, how they're providing you know, an experience for their guests. And so I think it's really great. There's a lot of opportunities right now for people like me who are newly entering the industry and looking to start as a pastry cook. So um, yeah, it's really exciting. I haven't made a decision yet on where I'll be working, but I'm sort of winding down my time at my day job and will be switching over to a restaurant job pretty soon.
0: Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. That is huge news. I am so happy for you. So I know nothing about like culinary education or pastry, my my knowledge is like British Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all I know, and I love eating them. That's it. What goes into a trail? How long is that? And like, do you do multiple trails consecutively? Can you do them simultaneously? Like multiple simultaneously? How does that work?
1: So it's up to each student how many trails they want to go on. Um, our school does require an externship at the end of our classes. So that's typically a three-month paid externship where you work at a restaurant or a bakery or some sort of food establishment. And so most people, I would say, go on at least two to three trails. And I actually am a bit of an ambitious person so I've done Don't I, say. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've done about six at this point and I'm actually pretty early to be doing them as well because I'm only about halfway through my program so I'm not really actually looking for my externship right now but looking for more of like a part-time job that would hopefully transition into my externship role but during a trail it really depends on the restaurant or the place that you trail at um, some places they actually have a test that they make you do. And so if you've ever watched The Great British Bake Off, there's a technical challenge during every episode where they sort of give you a bare bones recipe and the ingredients and then you have to make it. And so those are some of the more high pressured ones. Um, At a lot of places, what they have you do is production, meaning you help the team prepare different components of the desserts. Um, so that may be like making it batter, scooping cookie dough, slicing fruit. And they just want to see your knife work, the way you work with the team, and whether you ask questions, mm-hmm. uh, whether you take direction well, listen well, take notes. You know, I think every restaurant is very different. And... Every chef is really different too. So I think it's been a really cool experience being able to work with such talented people and see the inside of different kitchens and how they function and also be part of these restaurants as they're reopening and seeing how they are rebuilding their teams and getting yeah getting back to sort of a new normal.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they've had to change a lot of operations in order to adjust to how people can actually dine. Mm -hmm. So with the pandemic, fine dining has really taken a turn because indoor dining isn't an option for a lot of people. You know, fine dining is fairly inaccessible because it has a very high price point. And a lot of people who have suffered job losses or are having a hard time during an economic recession, it becomes that much more difficult to enjoy that kind of experience. So... I'm curious to know like what you've seen and what you think fine dining experience will look like and also why culinary school.
1: Yeah, so with fine dining, it's something that I personally love. I think a lot of people love experiences, whether that's travel or concerts, things like that. And you know, experiences can be very expensive as fine dining is. You know, for me, I grew up in a family where I can't even remember, you know, times when my parents would think of spending more than like $30 per person on like a (laughs) meal. Um, And so we didn't grow up really like with an appreciation for food and restaurants. So sometimes it's funny, it's a mystery to my parents where my love for baking and for pastry and fine dining came from. But once I started to earn my own money in college and postgrad, I would just save up a lot of my money so that I could dine out and have these amazing experiences. Um, that's actually why I chose to study abroad in Copenhagen to eat at restaurants like Noma mm-hmm. and just to yeah experience um, these different cuisines. You know, I think with fine dining, I think it's here to stay in a sense because. I think people really still want those experiences. There's so many occasions to celebrate. And I think restaurants are just so integral to society and such an important part of just the fabric of our lives. And so I think there's a lot of innovation in fine dining. And I think fine dining still sets the trends for a lot of the rest of the culinary world. So mm-hmm. I think it's an exciting place to be. And. You know these michelin star kitchens they tend to be pretty high stress high pressure places where there are really high standards for everything and the type of people that they draw i think they tend to be pretty focused pretty intense and just have that drive to really be the best at what they do and so yeah that's kind of why i was drawn to the fine dining world
0: you're just as crazy as them (laughs) (laughs) i'm just
1: kidding (laughs) And, and as to why culinary school I've always loved being a student from a young age. I love learning and having a goal and structure and gaining knowledge. Um, And so I think for me, a lot of people do enter the industry without having gone to school. But I really wanted the skills to be able to have a solid foundation for entering the industry. And then I think a lot of times, too, with school, one of the biggest things you gain is a network. You meet like-minded people. You have the support of the school and the chefs and the alumni and everyone who's sort of in and around your educational experience. And so I feel like even with COVID, I've tried to do my best to take advantage of the different opportunities available to me at school and to really learn and to be focused when I'm there, to practice at home and to make the most of the opportunity at ICE. I'm really glad I could go to school. I know one thing with culinary school is people say it's very expensive to be entering an industry where you generally start out as minimum wage and it definitely is a huge cost so I feel very privileged and grateful to my parents who have always been big believers in education and you know saved up for us to go to graduate school so you know my older sister's doing her PhD in neuroscience which is like the opposite of what I'm doing and so you know this is kind of like my PhD in um pastry, I guess, um, my sort of higher higher education, if you will.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Everyone needs to eat. So there's that. <laughs> that's awesome. Were you always baking? Did you start baking before school too?
1: Yeah, I've always baked like from a very early age. Um, my mom is the best box mix brownie maker I know, but that's pretty much the extent of the baking that I was taught growing up. And so A lot of it for me, I guess, came from like cookbooks, the internet, um, you know, my friends' moms who would be amazing bakers. But yeah, I've just always had a huge sweet tooth and I realized I was able to make what I wanted to eat. And so I love desserts, love pastry. And, you know, I also I grew up doing a lot of art as well. And so I think generally I love the process of just seeing something being created from start to finish and then having a final product and really being proud of what I've made. So I admittedly am not a great cook. So on the savory side, I don't have too much skill there, but I do love pastry. So, What are
0: some of your favorite pastry shops in New York City?
1: Oh, man, I get this question a lot. Okay, uh, I'll make it easy for you. Okay. So let's say right now it's like
0: spring. It's the start Mm -hmm. of spring. And it's a random Saturday on the weekend and mm-hmm. you're like walking along the streets of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Where would you tell your friend to go to?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. So I feel like when it comes to bakeries, I typically like to go to places that are selling things that I can't make that easily at home. So yes. normally that's like mm-hmm. laminated pastry and venoiserie uh, meaning like French laminated doughs. So croissants, pain au chocolat, things like that. Let's see. There is a bakery sort of in the Lower East Side Chinatown area called Mel. They have really great pastries there. I also like Patisserie Fouet, which is sort of a Japanese-inspired French bakery in the Union Square area. And then there's some great ones in Brooklyn as well. Recently, I went to Chow Gloria, which is an Italian-American bakery, cafe, and then there's a donut place out there called Fan Fan Donuts that I love as well. But I could talk New York City bakeries all day, so um, lots of recommendations there.
0: I have a huge sweet tooth. I really love bread and like just pastries and desserts in general, and I have mm-hmm. not been to any one of the places that <laughs> recommended, which is Insane to me, like how have I been sleeping on all of those? Yeah, I definitely have to check them all out right after this recording. Like, <laughs> plot out my calendar and like visit all those places. I would say places that I'm kind of obsessed with. Oh, one of them closed, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but it was called Donna Bell's Bake Shop. Oh yeah, it was located it's like 50th in 50th and kitchen.
1: maybe Eighth
0: mm-hmm. Avenue. So I was obsessed with their biscuits. Mm-hmm. Like, they would create these breakfast sandwiches for $5 in the morning every weekend. Wow, incredible. I'm so sad that they're closed. There's also Bibble and Sip. They have these like little pastry puff things. Yeah, their cream puffs are really good. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you like baking?
1: Yeah, people ask me this all the time. You know, (laughs) I would say I like a baking project. So something that sort of requires a new technique, or maybe a long time or just more attention to detail, I don't get to do them as much actually anymore, because I'm doing a lot of orders these days. So I would say these days, I'm really enjoying making cakes. Um, I still don't think I'm that great at it. But I like that every time I make a cake for an order, usually I get to practice and hone my skills. Um, We actually haven't reached the cake module yet in school. So very excited to learn during that module. I would say I also do enjoy making breads, but I also don't consider myself really a bread baker. And so that's something that I've dabbled in, but definitely not an expert.
0: Mm, a bread baker. What what other kind of baker can you be?
1: Well, I guess... I feel like in the sort of baking pastry world, people who specialize in bread, they are like all in on bread and they know so much. Um, It's really a commitment because it's such a time intensive process and there's just like an endless amount of knowledge that you can acquire, I guess, or learn about bread
0: whenever I think about bread bakers or bread enthusiasts, I think about everyone who started their own sourdough at the beginning of the quarantine. <laughs> you know, like everyone suddenly decided, oh yes, I'm going to make my own bread. And everyone, yeah. said, oh, I'll give you like my, sour, my sourdough starter or whatever. <laughs> everyone was like doing it at home. Um, that's what comes to mind. But I'm glad we're out of that stage in the pandemic.
1: Now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been making sourdough before since before COVID, but it was funny to see it pop up during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. I think it's all also- people really started to get creative in the kitchen and really get into baking as a way to do something while we were all sheltering in place. So
0: So you obviously have really exciting news to share all around besides the fact that you got a lot of different offers. Um, You recently worked with With Warm Welcome. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I'm actually part of the team at With Warm Welcome. I've been working with Arnold who's the founder and Esther the creative director and a few of our other teammates on creating this baker's box that we're doing it's a fundraiser for apex for youth and in a similar way I got connected with with warm welcome by dming them on instagram because I also really liked their (laughs) podcast and (laughs) me too I listened to that one too Yeah. And so I just DM them and I was like, hey, I'd love to get involved. And so yeah, that seems to be a recurring theme in my life. (laughs) You know, I like to give people positive feedback and tell people when they're doing things well, because I think more people need that kind of encouragement. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so when I talked to Arnold and Esther, originally, um, Arnold was explaining how he likes to design projects around people. And so he was like, you know, I want to do this bake sale, um, our inaugural bake sale, inspired by Women's Month and wanting to amplify Asian American female pastry chefs and bakers in New York City. And so I thought it was an amazing idea. And he was saying that he was inspired by the Bakers Against Racism uh, movement that took place in 2020. And so that was sort of how we got the ball rolling on that. And the whole bake sale came together in probably like a week and a half, maybe two wow, weeks, where so we just reached out to a lot of different people that we knew in our networks or people I personally really admire. And people were so willing to just donate their time and their efforts um, and their pastries to this to this bake sale. And so, um, the team at With Warm Welcome, we are planning one for LA as we speak, and that's going to be our second one. And I know that we're thinking about doing more in the future, but it's been a really fun process. I think everyone who's on the team at With Warm Welcome, we are just really committed and excited about what we're doing. And yeah, it's going to be a big week this week. Our bake sale pickups are on Wednesday, and unfortunately, we already sold out, but Um, you know, if you're interested in the next one, just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna be all over that on Instagram, like, (laughs) ready for it. (laughs) So what did you bake for this?
1: So mine is going to be a black and white sesame bittersweet chocolate tort. So there's sort of these individual, small chocolate torts, and they have a black and white sesame brittle on top.
0: Wow, how do you come up with this? this kind of recipe, like where does the inspiration come from?
1: Sometimes if I wake up in the middle of the night or I'm out on a run, I just get these ideas that come to me. Um I do love to read a lot. I read a lot um both cookbooks and you know normal books. Um so sometimes from reading traveling, just walking around the city, talking to people, yeah, I feel like inspiration can come from anywhere. Also, because we were limited in the dimensions of the box that we're putting the pastries in, as well as wanting the product to be shelf stable for a few days, Mm -hmm. having those sort of restrictions, actually, I feel like inspires me to be more creative, because, you know, just having limitations, I think you have to work within those.
0: Right, right. And how are they being delivered? Is it like hand delivered? Or is it mailed and shipped?
1: Oh, so everything's going to be pickup only. So it's a one-day pickup at Cha'an Ban Ban, which is in the East Village.
0: Got it, yeah. I was talking to um, Kimberly, founder Mm -hmm. of Cora, and she was explaining to me about how she takes into consideration how things travel because Mm -hmm. I had asked her, you know, you're scaling your business so quickly, are you guys going to offer delivery? Because right now it's all pickup. And she said, well, if you start offering delivery, especially for a very far distance, you have to think about how the donut will travel and like what temperature can really stay stable at and how does the taste change. So I had never really thought about those things. For me, it's just like, if the pizza comes late to me and it's cold, I'm like, okay, and I'll just eat it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's because my palate isn't very refined you know, you're making this pivot, you have offers on the table, you're thinking about what to do, how are you going to decide what's next for you?
1: You know, I am at sort of an inflection point in my life, and I guess, especially in my career. So I'm weighing a lot of my options right now. And people have been really helpful in just offering different perspectives and giving me advice. Um, Something that I'm trying to do more of these days is to trust my gut and to not second guess myself, which is something that I do a lot, I think. And it's hard. It's hard to know what to do and to feel confident about the decision that I'm making. Almost
0: everyone second guesses themselves and like sometimes the gut is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the gut is very, very wrong, in which case like logic always prevails and go with the rational decision. But also, if I've noticed for, in my experience, when I don't go with my gut, then I regret. Then I'm like, oh, but what if? I always think, but what if I chose a different path? Or what if I did this? And that what if like is insatiable. Mm-hmm. And I'm always thinking about that. Yeah. How are you managing the transition out of your day job?
1: Yeah, so I do have a lot going on right now. Sometimes I feel like I'm rowing like 10 boats at one time. But... I think one thing I have to say is my workplace has been incredibly supportive of my baking journey from like the day I was hired, actually. And just I'm so grateful that I've been able to be super transparent about being in school. Yeah. And I have some great stories, actually, about like how much my firm has supported my baking endeavors. Actually, it's actually sort of how I got my business started. Uh, My first year at work during Thanksgiving, our chief technology officer ordered like two dozen pies from me for Thanksgiving. And I had to take PTO in order to bake all those pies. Um, And I baked our CEO's birthday cake every year. Um, Our chairman. Yeah. Amazing. When I was shipping boxes and selling cookies and having a rotating menu over the summer, our chairman would buy boxes for me every week so yeah our, my firm has just been very supportive of my of my baking and I'm really grateful for that uh, my manager is very understanding when I need to hop off of a zoom call and head to school um, yeah but right now you know I'm trying to work on making my transition out of my job as seamless as possible and you know just train up the next person who will be filling my role and helping the team in that way um, And then with my business, so I was selling a lot um, in 2020. Yeah, I guess to the point where I actually had to uh, do my taxes uh, for last year as a small business, which is really exciting. Actually, my dad helped me with a lot of that. But since I've been in New York, I was in Long Island with my parents during most of the pandemic. But since I moved back to New York around... September of last year, I've sort of intentionally slowed down my business. So I'm Mm -hmm. not actively really selling anymore on my website, but somehow I am still getting a lot of orders. So I would say (laughs) on an average week, probably do like five to 10 orders during the Mm -hmm. week. I am usually up early in the morning baking um, for different orders. And then I'm working remotely during the day um, in school at night. And then this past month, I've been taking time off to go on trails or doing them in the evening or on the weekends. So Ooh. definitely a very full schedule. And then the bake sale yeah. on top of that, you know, yeah. and just trying to, uh, you know, have a personal life too and yeah. take care of myself as well.
0: So yeah, that's, that's a lot to handle. So you're trying to slow down your business, but the orders keep coming in. <laughs> so How does that work? Do people DM you and they're like, actually I do want to order this or do they go to your site and place orders?
1: The shop on my site actually is not open right now, Mm -hmm. and mostly that's just because when I was shipping a lot more, it's pretty labor-intensive to not only bake everything, but package it, ship it, get it to the post office, and USPS has been a little crazy over the last year. Um, Sometimes they're a little bit slow. So I still do some shipping orders, Um, people still ask me, but I would say most of my orders come from... Instagram, I guess people do DM me or, you know, friends of friends of friends, um, you know, just people in my network. You know, moms at church still email (laughs) me and ask ask for cakes for their kids' birthdays
0: and things like that.
1: Birthday is coming
0: up. Olivia's one year, her toll is coming up. Oh, yeah. Like, I need to get a cake. (laughs) Yeah. Watch out for my Instagram DM.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, my. My baking for others actually, once I graduated from college, moved to the city, it sort of started at church because my pastor knew that I love to bake. And so he started he asked me if I would start baking bread for communion, um, <laughs> which was so fun. So I used to do that, um, which I missed when we were in person. But mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: What's your ultimate dream? For a lot of people, they just imagine opening their own restaurant or their own store. What does that look like for you?
1: Yeah. I've been on a lot of interviews lately, so I think I've had to answer this question like every single day over the last week or so. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not 100% sure, which, you know, I'm sure most of us aren't, um, because if last year has taught us anything, it's that, you know, a lot of things are not in our control or most things aren't. And so... I think in the short term, I definitely want to work in fine dining. I would love to, I guess, eventually be an executive pastry chef um, at a restaurant. But in the longer term, um, I'm not sure. I've always thought of possibly opening up my own place um, and would love to do so in a way that gives back to the community by you know, serving the people who are in it and providing jobs to people who have barriers to employment. That's always been a goal of mine. And I always have tried to build in a social component into my own business as well. Um, so I donated a percentage of proceeds uh, from all my sales to different nonprofits um, that I care a lot about. Um, and so I'm not sure exactly what the long-term goal is, but I do plan to be in pastry um as my career. So, I'm excited to see what's ahead.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for you too. I I feel like My gut tells me that, yeah, you're definitely going to be an executive pastry chef, and it's going (laughs) to be at an amazing, amazing establishment, and you're going to be, like, on the cover of, like, all these cool culinary magazines or whatever. (laughs) It's like the, like, you know, Chinese, Korean-American pastry chef at, like, 30 years old. You know those, like, Forbes 30 Under 30? Like I can definitely see you on one of those lists.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. I think, you know, in the industry, you really have to put in time and put in the years to learn and really grow. And so I know that I have a lot to learn still um, within the pastry and restaurant world. But yeah, I'm really excited for the different opportunities ahead of
0: me. If people want to um, slide into your DM to place an order (laughs) or they want to find out more about your work, your creations and like what you're doing with Warm Welcome, Mm -hmm. uh, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so I am on Instagram at Stephanie Lou Bakes. And I usually reply pretty quickly. You can also email me my email. My contact is there as well. And then if you want to find out more about With Warm Welcome, we're also on Instagram at With Warm Welcome. So, yeah, we would love for you to check it out.
0: Thank you so much. It was so fun talking to you, Steph. And thanks so much, (laughs) Diana. This was fun. This was fun. Bye. Bye.